0: today is October 4th,
1: 2020. Welcome to Common Ground. The sermon series we are in is called Living in the Moment. This sermon is called Praying for Death, and the speaker is Chris Romine. Enjoy! If you're joining us uh, for the first time, we are a church that's uh, interested in, committed to addressing supremacy culture uh, in organizations, in each other, um, just in the way that humans form systems. And that's been an important sort of highlight and distinction about common ground. So actually we don't stop at being queer celebrating. Uh, We don't stop at being anti-racist. We see the way that other forms of supremacy culture, whether it be economic supremacy culture Uh, or patriarchal, and or patriarchal supremacy culture, or nationalism, the way these things have crept into our imagination, um, infested it, and the way that we turn to uh, the texts in scripture and the life of Jesus to confront these things. Uh, Because if we're a people who believe that good news comes from this way, right, that light comes from following uh, this God of light and love, then it would follow Uh, that we would be paying close attention to the text to see what it might be saying to us about what God does in the situations that we find ourselves in today. Uh, So if you wouldn't mind, um, join me in prayer uh, before I get started on this sermon. God of the Israelites and God of the Babylonians. Uh, God of all peoples and places. May your justice be felt in a world that is thirsty for just cause. May your love be felt in a world where love is often missed and neglected. May your freedom come for those things that bind us. Amen. Uh, okay, so if you are joining us for the first time, um, I am uh, Chris Romine, the teaching pastor, the organizing pastor, whatever I am. I'm the one who preaches most often, and I have a couple of different voices that I lean into, but one of them can tend to be a little bit um, fiery, and I can't help but feel a little fiery today in response to what has been happening all week. I sort of wrote this sermon and rewrote this sermon uh, a couple times, but it pretty much hit on uh, Wednesday or Thursday uh, to a severe rewriting when our uh, president went um, uh, uh, tested positive for COVID, and then what we dealt with was an onslaught of uh, pious calls for. Uh, coming from Christians and others to pray for this president's health to get better. And I was already intending to talk. Yes, here we go, Carlos. I was already intending to talk about how we engage prayer because prayer is often, if not always a direct effect of our trauma and our current lived experience. And what's odd is when some of the folks that are at the highest seats of power Um, whether it be in a religious context or a national context, political context, whatever it may be, when there's a sickness of some sort, uh, all of our attention is invited out of our own lived experience and context and towards a very power that, number one, we might be disconnected from, and number two, if we are connected to it, uh, it is only in the worst kind of ways. That is to say, we actually might be victimized by this power, um, that is now sick or has some sort of malady. And I think it really begs the question in the Christian tradition and the Christian imagination, what do we pray for? And I would say further, what does the Bible ask us to pray for? What does it across time, right? Cause it asks of it a sort of different posture throughout scripture. It's not like there's a arc that's consistent. It's not like there's some graduation or some culmination No, it's just all sorts of different prayers, but it's always very interesting what American Christians tend to focus on uh, as the things that we should or shouldn't do or pray or shouldn't pray or how we should support the government or how we shouldn't, et cetera, et cetera. So we tend to pull out certain one-liner scriptures to make us, I don't know, fall in line with the empire. Um, I, I really can't sum up my sermon more than that. Uh, And so I am uh, trying to be as straightforward as possible about my prayer life um, because actually one thing that I'm really proud of at Common Ground is that we don't talk about fluff. I don't think we engage in the bullshit. I don't think that we're afraid to talk about things that uh, are sort of most pressing. And what I'm proud of at Common Ground is we don't sum stuff up with nice, uh, like pretty bows and sort of pass it on to another person. Two weeks ago, I invited us to just sit in the mess and the muck and the mire when your siblings or those who you have a heart for um, or your heart is with are going through the mess, right? To not try to solve the problems, to not try to give a one-liner of how it's going to be better um, or it's going to be okay or that God is sitting on the throne, etc. cetera. Um, and then last week, I really just talked about uh, the way it's difficult um, for me to engage uh, a sort of um, hope and joy in the midst of just collective trauma that we're all sitting in in, in, in America, uh, or at least most of us are sitting in. And nevertheless, how we, I think, are invited by God to not have some petty things steal our joy, but also not to find our joy in petty things, right? So I think that's important to note. Okay, so how do we pray? Well, the first scripture that I gave you, and it was long, uh, I, I hope that, uh, thank you, Lance, for reading it but I hope that you paid attention. This is the exact moment that Israel is, sorry, the Hebrews are leaving their Hebrew ghettos, their enslavement in Egypt, uh, their dispossession of land and inheritance and citizenship and mattering, full-scale slavery. God sort of wins this divine victory with Egypt, uh, with Pharaoh, not with great costs to Egypt, might I add. And then draws the Hebrews out of Egypt and into the promised land known as Canaan. Uh, and the, Egypt, the Egyptians are now pursuing Israel. Uh, the Egyptians have gone back on their word. The, the, Egyptian, the Pharaoh has actually not let Moses and his people go yet. Uh, the Egyptians actually sort of had a second uh, a reconsidering, if you will. The Pharaoh said, actually, I'm not all that happy that I just lost my entire free labor force. I'm going to go get them. Right? And Pharaoh sort of chariots up and goes and um, and, uh, and and pursues the uh, the Israelites. Uh, so the Israelites make it across the Reed Sea, which is sometimes been called the Red Sea, but actually the translation is Reed Sea um, because it had um, it had a tide that came in, and when the tide drew down, the reeds that below the surface would rise up, and when the tide was in, they were covered, etc. cetera. Um, and the Israelites were able to cross, and as Pharaoh is crossing himself with all his chariots, uh, uh, something happens. Something miraculous happens. God sucks up all the water from one place of the sea, dumps it on the Egyptians, and all of those uh, men, all of those fathers and sons and brothers and business owners um, and house maintainers and the royal court and Pharaoh are all sucked up in the sea. And what happens is Israel turns around and Franklin Graham comes out and goes, you should be praying for those people. And Israel says, you know what? You're right. And they get on their ground. They get on the ground. They get on their knees and they go, Lord, please let there be a speedy recovery for Pharaoh. May he return to his throne as good as he can be and let him be who he needs to be. We don't wish death on anybody, right? of course you guys know exactly that that's not what happened because we just read it to you in fact if there's anything that i've ever seen of a total flex a god flex it's these verses i will sing unto god for this victory horse and the rider thrown into the sea that was my god the lord is a warrior fariots chariots dead his captains dead his people sunk the deep sea covered them Your strong hand, God, is the dominant hand, right? As the Egyptians are drowning in this sea, Israel cannot help but turn around and say, thank God you are all dead, good riddance. In fact, God has done this for you. We turn to the Psalms, okay? The Psalms are a book of prayers, right? This is very convenient when we ask people to pray the Psalms, but we don't pay attention to a large sliver of the Psalms, which are called in, in pre, imprecatory prayers. I'm not going to be able to ever say that word. I listened to the pronunciation like three times before this, but effectively it is, there's prayers of laments, there's prayers of praise, there's songs of praise. And then there are prayers outright where David or one of the Psalters are begging on behalf of, uh, on behalf of their um, uh, lived experience, their trauma, their struggle for God to what? To heal the enemy, uh, to take care of their uh, the, the person who comes against them, right? If we remember David's story, David didn't write most of the Psalms, but even if we're to ascribe some of the Psalms to David, David is being pursued by King Saul. David never got on his knees, neither in the historical context or the Psalms and said, God, please take care of Saul. I know he's after me and wants to kill all of my people and wipe my children off the earth, but may Saul be healed from this current malady. It did not happen, Christian. It did not happen. In fact, in Psalm 109, whoever wrote it, let my accuser be cursed. Go read it for yourself, Psalm 109, 26 through 31. Let my accuser be dressed in shame. Let my accuser walk around in their own disgrace. Let their disgrace, in fact, be their coat. Let the emperor have no clothes. And if the emperor has some clothes, let it be disgrace. Because my God stands with the needy to save us from that person who will condemn. I'll go to another Psalm, Psalm 137, 5 through 9. The final thing that Sarah put emphasis on was... A blessing to the one from God who takes the children of my enemies and smashes them against the rocks. A verse before that, we will remember the evil deeds that you did, enemy. Friends, as I engaged this week, as I sort of just watched things unfold, my intention was to talk about predominantly trauma the way that human beings have trauma responses to uh, abuse, uh, to neglect, to insecurity, when things become unstable, and where do we in our spirituality and our prayer life, whatever that is, uh, engage our very lived experiences that have caused trauma. What is so unfortunate is that in individualistic, capitalistic, American Western Christianity, We, who have found our ways out of evangelicalism or this kind of Christianizing, right? If you found your way in a common ground, it's because you found your way out of this thing. So let's just be honest about that. We have been invited to always forget self, to take off self, to neglect self, to ignore self, to not listen to self, to not trust self, but to sort of graft into the greater good. And then when a particularly disgraceful emperor comes in to the... Roman Empire, uh, American Empire is what I would call it today, comes in and causes all forms of harm, at that point we are invited to again neglect self even if we've incurred harm, trauma or direct harm from this person or this pastor or this present or this thing and pray for their recovery. Friends, this is gaslighting. This is spiritual abuse. This is the opposite of of what scripture asks us to do in fact i could not have enough space today to pull out all the scriptures that invite the enemy to be thrust down and killed on behalf- in the name of god if we go across prophet after prophet often that enemy is the people of god claiming the name of god right claiming uh, we are the people of god and the prophet amos or the habakkuk or hosea goes ah, no we're not And in fact, that God's coming for us now that we've said, in the name of God, we do this, right? And so now we're going to feel it, right? Amos tells people to stop praying until justice is done. Habakkuk says, God doesn't even hear your prayers, people of God, Israel, sitting in the temple. Why? Because there is so much damn injustice amongst you that how can you ignore that, neglect that, but also pray that God's will be done? Trust me. God's will is being done as you get sent off into exile, Israel. I just want to be honest about my prayer life. I don't pray for, God, uh, for, for President Trump or any of our presidents to die. I don't actively seek the death of somebody else. I do seek the end of oppression and often there are actors such as Trump I don't even want to locate this at Trump. This is actually not a partisan thing. Kids were locked in cages during the Obama administration. For me to pray for kids to stop being locked in cages during the Obama administration or George W. Bush's administration or Donald Trump's administration is to ask for God to take kids out of cages full stop, regardless of who is responsible for that decision. In fact, in spite of, because of the person who is responsible for that decision, But as today, we see that there is so much harm being caused in America, and that this person sitting at the top of sort of our political apparatus has been so damaging to all of our men, like our, our mental health. I can't help but say, "God, let your will be done." Period. And if that is meted out justice on me, so be it, as Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus was rounded up, prayed that same prayer. If this can be taken from me, take it from me. But if not, God, let your will be done. Why aren't we asking for God's will to be done when someone as harmful with as many fingers on as many harmful buttons as he has, I don't know, learns a lesson? I have to be honest with my humanity. Here's why. Because prayers, let us not use them as virtue signaling or dog whistling. I do not pray for Donald Trump's death, but I sure as hell don't pray for his health if his health means returning to the same seat of power and meting out his idea of power the way it's been meted out the last three years. I don't will for that. And as I turned to scripture this week, before I ever was going to get to this sermon, when Thursday arrived and there's just all of this mass pray for God, pray for Donald Trump to get better, My thought was going, how about pray Mary's Magnificat uh, in Luke 2, the entrance of Jesus' ministry before Jesus is even born. The Spirit of God descends on on Mary, and she prays out a prayer, the Magnificat. Most sermons just skip over uh, chapter 2 because this is an inconvenient prayer of celebration that says God has taken food out of those who eat too much. God has pulled the power out of those who have a lot of power. God has made the rich poor. Thank you, God, that you have been God incarnate now, that you are bringing us a child to show us what this is all about. Thank you that the rich have fallen and are now poor. The, power are, the powerful are disgraced. And the people who cause harm are no longer causing harm. That is the opening of Jesus's life. The opening of Jesus's ministry when he's in Nazareth and goes and opens a scroll says, I have come to free those who are captive. Not spiritual bondage, literal bondage, economic bondage, military bondage, nationalistic, imperialistic bondage. I have come to release these folks. I have come to proclaim good news to who, friends? To the poor, to the powerless. And guess what happened in that synagogue? Jesus got thrown out of it or, well, there's two tellings of it. One is people were amazed and offended. Who the heck is this guy? That's not the place to open up and read from the text. The place that you should read from is that we're praying for Herod. May Herod's will be done. Right? But Jesus comes in and goes, Nope, the poor, the powerless, the dispossessed, dispossessed, those are who I'm sitting with. That's where my ministry is, and that's where my prayers are. And then in the same place that Jesus says, Love your enemies, right? And hate those who do evil right? We only pay attention to the love your enemies, but what exactly is an enemy and how can we ignore it when we, when the next line is hate those who do evil. And in the same excursus, the same discourse, Jesus says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Do not virtue signal on Facebook saying they love to stand in, pr- standing in the s- synagogues and the street corners, or today really it's the televangelists or Facebook, etc there is, that's the only reward they're going to get. When you pray, go to, go alone to where you can be with God alone and say these prayers, right? Pray for those who are in need, for you, Christian, may be in need. Friends, at Common Ground, actually, Jill and I were sitting out out to dinner a couple, uh, or last night, we're talking with a couple, and they were just, they were just sort of mystified that we don't talk about the Bible the same way that they were expecting to. These two had been really like disinterested in, in, in uh, Christianity. Um, they have noted that it's uh, deeply disempowering, it's deeply imperialistic, it's deeply colonial, etc. cetera. Um, and so we're sitting with them and I, I, I said, I, I feel like, this is gonna be my sermon tomorrow, I feel like one thing that Common Ground does if you were to ask us what we do, is we sort of muddy the waters. And the reason that we muddy the waters is not just to muddy the waters for the sake of muddying, but it's because there have been so many declarative statements handed down to us that have been so damn abusive to each of us that I think we actually really need to pull and peel those declarative statements off, such as God is on the throne. Let God just be what God is Um, or pray for this deeply harmful person. I actually turned over to uh, some of the conservative Christian spaces on the internet today um, and yesterday, and I read about these sorts of prayers, uh, impracticatory prayers. I'm going to have to edit that out in the, in the podcast, but these sorts of prayers and actually evangelicalism in America spends a lot of time saying, don't pray these prayers. Uh, they're there, but, but pay attention to it. These prayers should be prayed, but um, they're not very violent and, like, don't, don't, don't have this sort of spirit. No, excuse me. The prayers are in the Bible. This is exactly the lived experience of a person who's being pursued by an enemy that says, God, please kill that enemy if it means that I live. And if there's anything that I can relate to, it's the desire to stop incurring harm from someone else. And if there's anything that triggers me most as a child with trauma, it's more trauma, And if there's anything that I'm going to pray for, it's not going to be the person doling out more trauma on my body or my mental health. It's going to be the things and the people and the organizations and the messages that actually limit that trauma and, or help me heal from it. And if my prayer life becomes this thing of praying for my abuser, it's just, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Like, do you think that slaves were praying for their slave masters because one single line in Paul's gospel ask them to. You know what? Paul has all sorts of problems as well. Like Paul, we need to, Paul is another person who is preaching a sermon and writing letters that we should hold in context the way we hold in context, any words said by any single person. Okay. Paul says, pray for your slave masters. Slavery didn't mean it, what it meant today in Paul's time. And also you take that one verse of Paul and you put it against all the prayers of the, the Psalms and of what Jesus is coming to say that Jesus is doing. And suddenly we have muddy waters friends. And suddenly we're invited to enter prayer exactly as we want to. If there's anything I can leave you with this sermon, it's enter prayer exactly how you want to. There are probably two things that I've heard in the last couple of days. One people unapologetically and publicly saying, I hope Donald Trump dies, right? People of faith, Guess who those people are? Queer folks, overwhelmingly in my, on my newsfeed, and BIPOC folks. Why is it, and Jill, why is it, why is it that white men are begging for Trump to speedily recover? And people of color are going, I, are you, I don't know that I want to pray that. Are we serious? Like, are we serious? Right? Okay. Let me close with this. Your trauma will inform your prayer life. If your trauma has been from someone who has harmed you in a certain way, I am not asking you, and I don't think God is, to go and be praying for that person. The same way that Jesus came onto the scene and said that the rich will be toppled and the powerful will fall short, and those who are harming you will no longer harm, for the same words that Jesus read out of the prophet Isaiah, saying who he has come to preach to and pray for, And the same Jesus who says, Woe to you, Pharisees, not I'm praying for you, but woe to you, hypocrites who harm, woe to you, greedy folk who seek power and control over the masses. You will not make it to the places that I'm going. He was being hyperbolic, I think, but nevertheless, that same Jesus is the Jesus that sits with you while you sit around going, I don't think I'm going to pray for this guy. I don't think I'm gonna pray for Wall Street to get better. I don't think that I'm gonna be praying for America to get much better because America hasn't been that great to me. I'm not gonna be praying for the American church to get better. I'm not gonna be praying for this thing to last or my company to last, et cetera, et cetera. You know what that is? A feeling and your feelings are valid and take your feelings to a God that sits with you in prayer and just let them be. And anyone who tries to police Your or my prayer are probably the same people, mark my word, check your inventory, who will police bodies and citizenship and skin color and sexuality and who the heck you have sex with. The same people who will do that policing are the same people who stand up and police right now how you should pray. Pray exactly how you want to, friend, especially if you've been a victim to the harm that these pe- people are not now praying for. I'm sorry, but I may not pray for Trump's death, but I sure as heck pray for the death of the oppression that he perpetuates. And you know what? I pray against the, perpetu- the, the perpetuation of the harm that I do in my own power, in my own seat of power, in my own influence, the way my words cause harm. If people are praying against me because I've harmed them, that is a completely valid prayer and let God's will be done. I am not above reproach. Neither are you, and especially neither is our president, whether it be Democrat, Independent, Socialist, Republican, you know, white supremacist, et cetera. Whatever it may be, we are carrying a gift, and the gift is our story. And our story comes with wins, and our story comes with losses, and our story comes with joy, and our story comes with scars. And that story goes into our heart, and our heart pours out to a God that sits with us and listens to us and when we pray let that story whatever it is with whatever words they are be your story that is your prayer sibling that is your prayer if your prayer is may those children be dashed against the rocks guess what we got a bible verse for it if your story is may that person never have children and may those children be barren and may this person walk around with disgrace as clothes That is your story, let it be. Guess who's gonna sit with it, with you in it? The Spirit of God. And let me be far from someone who doesn't sit with you in that as well. So if you pray for Donald Trump to get better, to get healthy, and I'm only using Donald Trump because that is the sort of pressing contemporary example that we have with us right now, but if you are praying for Donald Trump to get better, I really don't care about that prayer. Not because it's not valid, but because the prayer of the saints is the begging for God to stop oppression. So let, let Donald Trump get better and may oppression stop, right? Let his lungs breathe perfectly fine air. And also God, more importantly, can we work a system wherein people who are trying to access our country because of asylum are not locked in cages. Can we work a system where all of us see that we are not free until all are free? May we, well, may we wholesale reject ideas that we are not connected to each other. May that be our prayer. And if that requires the condemnation of someone who we see as abuser, so be it. That is the most human thing. And I will give you Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. If your pastor or your mom or your auntie or your Christian friends that are praying for your soul, because now you've become a heretic in their eyes, are asking you, please write me. I will send you Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse of God saying, don't pray until injustice is fixed, Amos 5, until injustice is fixed, I don't even receive your prayers. I don't even hear you. Until the scales, economically, Israel, are set so that everyone has access, they're not scaled unfairly, like payday loans, right? Just as one example. Until something like that, student debt, until those things are fit, America, what are you asking about Donald Trump for? Fix those things and then come back about health. Friends, I will not be someone who polices your feelings. I pray that you are not someone who polices your own feelings I pray that you don't let anyone else into your life who polices your prayer life and where you need to go in your faith. If you are carrying trauma, you are normal. You are like every other human on earth and you are simply acknowledging that trauma and asking for it to stop in prayer. May that be the prayer of the saints. May that be the heart that links to God. May that be our solidarity with those who are in pain now until this empire that is America, calms down with its mess. Because the same way that we look at Egypt and go, thank God the Israelites made its way out of there, is the same way we're being asked to pray for Pharaoh right now. You think John the Baptist waiting for his head to get cut off by incestuous uh, uh, King Herod was praying for King Herod to feel good? You think a gazelle prays for a lion to get better? You think Israel cares about what happened to Pharaoh? You think Amos, Habakkuk, Ezekiel cared when the people of God were oppressing the people of God and the foreigner in their midst, that there was some sort of illness other than the moral and ethical illness of that land? Friends, affix your eyes when you pray on exactly what you want to pray about. Because if you've been invited your whole life to ignore self and ignore needs, you have been gaslit the same way I have been gaslit and you have been spiritually abused and taken advantage of the same way I have been spiritually abused and taken advantage of. And guess what? My prayer life right now is please God help me with my mental health and the things that cause mental unhealth. Please take those things away. If you want to join me in that prayer, welcome to it. That is a community prayer. If I ever did hear one, pray for yourself and pray for your needs, connect your needs to those who have similar needs and pray against the powers that are causing you to be victim. Here's my final piece, and I'm going to play a song for you too that, I, I, that has stuck with me. It's been powerful. It's been a, sort of a ministry for me. Um, Jesus is the one who says that when your yoke is heavy, I am here with you. Jesus is the one that promises nearness when we cry out to God. Jesus is the one who walked to the poor and the hungry and said, blessed are you because these people will fall, but you will inherit the kingdom of God. And if you're anything like me, sibling, you need hope. I need hope. I need peace. I need joy. I need to believe that things will get better. And the thing that keeps me around Jesus, this is what I was saying last night to our friends that we met at dinner, is that Jesus actually for me Does something compelling in my moments of need. Tells me that it's going to be okay. Tells me that even when it's not okay, that Jesus is sitting with me, that the God that's created all things actually gives a crap about what Chris is going through on a day-to-day basis. If there's anything that's good news to me, it's that. And yet often, so often in our prayers, we pray for these things and then abuse continues to happen. Injustice continues to happen peace continues to
0: evade us and there's silence. That silence I believe is
1: pregnant with the spirit of God. I believe that God is there. I believe that God is near us. I believe that she is speaking to us, whispering the way that she whispered to Elijah on that mountaintop from a few weeks ago. And so I'm gonna play a song as our closing um, and then we're gonna do communion. This song is called uh, A Prayer. It's by, uh, it's by a, a, a band's name, King Kaleidoscope. The song is called A Prayer. If you ever want to listen to it, it's added to our Spotify uh, list. But this is going to be the energy that brings us into communion. I, I don't know what your cup of tea is. We all have different types of music, but I hope you enjoy this for its lyrical content. What the writer does here is crying out like the psalmist, crying out like King David, saying, where are you God? And then silence. And then what could be what this person's imagining God's response. Uh, the song's a tearjerker gets me every time because it reminds me, actually God is there listening to me saying, where are you? And I think it's a healthy reminder that not all is lost, that we are not alone and that God will actually work until all things are reconciled. So if you could bear with me and I'm going to pray this, I'm going to uh, play this. Hey, uh, I think if you've been here before you're used to explicit content, this has one explicit word in it. So I'm just going to let you know. It's a Christian band drops an F bomb, but if you don't want to listen to that, mute. Um, We'll come back and wrap up after this. Also, I want you to just sit there and listen to the lyrics. I purposely didn't put a, a slide up on the lyrics because uh, I want you to just take it in almost as a meditation. Feel the sort of dis, disempowering energy of the singer. Uh, feel the sort of stress that this person finds themselves in, and maybe you can relate to it. And then maybe you can find some good news in what this writer imagines God's response is. When it comes to a prayer, how I long to hear those words. I'm right beside you. I feel what you feel. I don't, I'm not praying for much of anyone else besides myself right now, because I need to remember and be told by God that God is with me. And I think a valid cry is, are you listening? Are you here? Are you still with us? Do you give a crap? And if there's things that are oppressing you or your siblings, you have every right to ask for those things to stop in the name of God. Let us remember that God may sit in the silence nonetheless, but we can come to God however we are. That, I believe, will build a healthy prayer life, devoid of anyone else's instructions or influence or virtue signaling. Go to God exactly for what you want when you need, not least when you're disempowered. Amen.